Just before the declaration of war in September 1939, the government introduced a host of regulations in the Emergency Powers Act that began to affect almost every aspect of the lives of the British people. Normal life was effectively closed down for the duration of the war. The economy came under centralized government control, which covered everything from determining the output of Rolls-Royce manufacturing plants to the management of ports and harbors, from dictating what farmers grew and produced to what was supplied to the corner shop in every high street or village. Self-service supermarkets were unknown in the war years, and most food shopping was done by women in their local butchers and grocery store. Companies were told what they could produce, what price they could sell their products for, and how much profit they could make. At the beginning of the war, there was panic buying on a grand scale. Anyone who could afford to hoard tinned goods, sugar or candles did so. There were stories of wealthy folk turning up in their cars and buying up almost the entire stock of small grocery shops. All of this, of course, hastened the introduction of food rationing. Although the government hesitated at first, fearing that the public would not accept centralized control and restrictions on the liberty of the individual, every person was provided with a national identity card, and a vast register was made of every street in the land, listing exactly who lived where, even down to the pets people owned, so that in the event of their home being bombed, rescuers would know how many people and animals they were looking for. Hospitals were emptied so that beds, even in maternity wards, could be kept free for the anticipated rush of air raid casualties. But these did not come for months. Travel was severely curtailed. Petrol was rationed at the beginning of the war, but was still difficult to find for a private motorist without an official pass. Travel by railways, although theoretically possible, came to be immensely difficult as the need to move military personnel, goods and equipment became the first priority of the railway companies, causing regular cancellations and the revision of timetables. If you had to set out on a long-distance rail journey, you had very little idea of how long it would take and when you would arrive. On the other hand, Pubs and cinemas were open and unrationed. Pamphlets and posters everywhere told people what they could and could not do and tried to stiffen resolve and encourage cheerfulness. The whole system of do's and don'ts was policed by a vast bureaucracy of petty officials and local busybodies. A mass observation diarist perfectly described one official who luxuriated in the importance of his work in the food office in Whitchurch, Hampshire. The diarist had to register her hens with the office on a form specially designed for this purpose, in order to obtain feed. His ruling principle, she wrote of the clerk, seemed to be, you cannot be too careful. He would not allow us to help by filling in our own names, etc. So the official carefully wrote out the name and address several times as required by different pages of the hen form, each time checking it with the preceding name and address to ensure correctness. Eventually he was satisfied with his copying and put down his pen and picked up a red pencil. He then marked in red every page that needed to be approved. Putting down his pencil, 
he picked up a rubber stamp and pressed it on the egg page. He then produced a razor blade and slowly cut out the counterfoils that needed removing. Only then did he seem happy with his important work. All of this should have taken just a couple of minutes, but each applicant was waiting with more or less patience for about twenty minutes for his work to be finished to his satisfaction. The diarist concluded, I waited in all about one and a half hours. I am told that afternoon callers who arrived at two or after were not seen at all as the office closed at three p.m. punctually. Sadly, there were no doubt thousands of such self-important officials across the land, but broadly speaking, Britons accepted the need for regulations and controls and adhered to them.